The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Back with Vershawn Jackson. Sponsored by Wingstop on 9 937 the ticket in the ticketfm.com. And we are back live. Wingstop, the captain is here. 50th and O Street giving away, uh, man, three more gift cards, $25 gift cards. All you got to do is answer a question and come do 50 push ups, whichever one works for you. I'm talking to Brandon Stider, All American, 1994. Brandon, you know, we were talking NIL, we're talking transfer portal a little bit. Is the transfer portal, the way we see it, is that just NFL free agency? Oh, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, you know, what's what's interesting is there's two different opportunities for portal. You have the high school athlete who uh, also has the ability to cash in on his name, image, and likeness. They come in. They have really two opportunities at NIL, um, you know, because when they come in, they still have a portal opportunity, which would get them, you know, if they, you know, had a team that was interested to go make money on that first NIL and then go to another school and make more money on another opportunity with the portal transfer. And then you have your athlete that's already in place that for whatever reason, there's extenuating circumstances. And that's why I think it's it's an important part, yet frustrating because it, it adds to another recruiting element um, when it comes to uh, the institutions. So you have to have a whole other recruiting department that deals with uh, the portal, and which is over three thousand student athletes, which is kind of crazy in all sports. Um, you know, so <clears throat> I think the opportunity, um, you know, for the portal definitely puts the, the student athlete in a position uh, of controlling, you know, you know, their future. Um, but at the same time, it is very frustrating for coaches because not only are you recruiting high school athletes, but now all of a sudden you're having to recruit these portal athletes. And a big part of the recruiting process is understanding that student athlete, um, you know, spending the time and the energy and the money uh, to figure out what he is from A to Z. And so, uh, you know, you have really there's two opportunities during the season right now um, or through a fiscal year uh, to recruit these guys. And these guys come and go. You know, as seasons end, boom, names get thrown into the portal. As seasons mm-hmm. are going through, um, guys make themselves available to the portal. So it's it's uh, it's a difficult situation for the institutions teams, uh, every sport, and then you, you deal with NIL. So once you get an athlete, you know, you've recruited them hard and you're going to do everything you can to wherever he had to make them feel like they're at home. But now the, the heat has turned up even more. You've got to recruit them while they're here. And, you know, certain positions in particular, like the quarterback position, you better have three guys that have the capability of playing because going into a season, you've got your designated starter, and then the second string guy 
who might have been neck and neck through, you know, whatever, spring, fall camp, doesn't get the nod, well, that third-string guy better be as good, maybe if not a little bit shy of his talent level or development, because that, the second-string guy is going to go, probably. And you got to worry about that. So who's your backup? So certain situations are, are very difficult uh, for uh, these coaches to manage. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, it gives the players a little bit more of control of their situation because, you know, maybe a coach leaves, um, maybe the guy that recruited you there and is no longer there. So you don't have an advocate uh, for, you know, your development and your opportunity. So again, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, you know, yeah, and, but what, you know, what transfers protects... have always been around for Sean, you know, right. You just had to, let's say, you know, a, a guy wanted to transfer like kind, meaning D1 to D1, right? You had to sit out of here. But let's say you're a D1 athlete back before the portal and you wanted to transfer to, you know, a lesser division, you didn't have to sit out, right? So when it's like kind, um, you know, before the new portal rule was put into place, you had to sit out a year. Now you don't. You get that one opportunity. Yeah, but what protects – okay, I'm, I'm just going to set the stage. I'm a coach, Right. I've developed this kid, poured into this kid for two years, two and a half years, and I was able to get him to come to my school. It wasn't a power, you know, a top 25 school, but it's a top 75 school. He does well, right? What, What happens, what protects me and my investment, the time that I invested into this, this student athlete, now all of a sudden you get a Alabama and I'm just I mean, you know a USC and they say this kid is phenomenal and he could come in and help us. We're going to offer him X. What what's to protect me as a coach by getting my players body snatched? Well, really nothing protects you. Um, I think when you look at the glass being half full with that kind of situation, let's take Samari um, in his situation. He had reached the pinnacle at the competition level and even exceeded that wanted the ability to go test his skills and his overall development at the next level and see if, you know, he could, you know, transform into even that much better of a player. And it turned out great for him, you know. And I think on the flip side of that, those coaches, you know, I think it it bodes well for the recruiting, right, and for their institution because, hey, look at, you know, you're not getting recruited by a top 25, top 50 school, right. You come here, we're going to develop you. And we're not going to be, you know, mad that, you know, you're given another opportunity to play one or two more years at the, at the highest level because your skills demand that. Um, I think it bodes well for that system, you know, because it's a direct reflection on their ability to develop players, right? So that might be a part of their, their sales pitch. Sty, you, you are director of development. Kind of go over a little bit about your role in the athletic department. What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, my official title is Assistant AD, Leadership Gifts and Football Relations. Uh, on a day-to-day basis, you know, we are stewarding our donors and anything that comes in our door and out our door as far as revenue uh, we deal with uh, on multiple levels. Uh, you know, obviously the stewardship, um, going out and cultivating, uh, you know, these donors and, and really trying to pinpoint um, their affinities. Uh, obviously the passion that they have for you know, football and every sport, uh, identifying those things, um, you know, providing the stewardship with that, and then also creating opportunities uh, 
to, you know, I mean, let's say you're you're a donor. Donor, what that equates to is you're a season ticket holder. And um, so there is a certain price that you have to pay for those tickets on top of uh, the donation that you have to make. And so, so certain people want better opportunities. And so we try to find, you know, every avenue that we can to put them in a position to where on a priority point basis. So uh, the more money you put in, the more priority points you gain. And then we also look at a lifetime giving. So when it comes to creating opportunities for our donors, that's what we're here for. Also uh, going out and raising money and fundraising for uh, different uh campaigns that we have right now, as you know, uh, the Go Big Project, which is um, ahead of schedule. Uh, it's a 300,000 square foot uh, facility uh, that uh, obviously concentrates on football, but it's three levels. The entire second level is our student athletes. But that project in and of itself is going to cost $165 million. Um, I'm really uh, proud to, to tell you, uh, you know, we were designated with raising $100 million on it. It was $150 million. But because of COVID and the price of doing business has gone up, we've had to raise $115 million on a $165 million project. And right now we're super close uh, to our end goal. Trev, you know, um, we have certain timeframes, uh, but we, we would like to get it uh, raised by August. And that's not even doing the grassroots. And so, you know, not only facilities, but also sustaining the resources that all of our student athletes have. Um, you know, it's a very expensive endeavor uh, running this university athletic program a lot goes into it and so you know people have the ability to to help uh, you know assist in in you know sustaining those resources for us monetarily yeah what you know you when you talk about donors if, if somebody that's listening out there wanted to donate uh, to the to the, to, the, to the university to Nebraska, what would they do? How who would they get in contact with? How would that just kind of throw that out there? How they would who yeah, they would contact? Absolutely, uh, they can go to uh, basically we have two different websites um, built in to each other, uh, but you can get on uh, you know huskers dot com huskers dot com, and then in there uh, we have the Husker Athletic Fund, and then there's a list a menu if you will of different opportunities. Uh, to help, um, you know, with our, our program. Um, and so it's pretty simple. Uh, folks can reach out to me as well. Uh, my number is 402-617-8328, and my email address is simply bsty at huskers.com. And anybody here in our department would be more than happy uh, to help, and you can even call the ticket office. And so we all work together. My office is built in with ticketing, uh, which I think is very critical to our day-to-day because I have the ability to just get up and, and talk to people about certain ticket and parking situations. And nine times out of 10 with our donors, that's what it comes down to. You know, I mean, you know, the timing and seat yourself, uh, the opportunities that become available of seats and how they get themselves positioned right for that and parking as well. Brent, what do you think about the USFL and the quality of play? I'm really impressed. Uh, to be honest with you, I've watched, uh, Oh, I don't know, three or four games, um, you know, and it, uh, you know, the USFL is a great uh, resource for the NFL uh, to give uh, not only the coaches and, you know, uh, you know, your, your internal guys that are always constantly looking at rosters during the season. So your, your pro personnel guys, they're always having the ability 
to go to that USFL and maybe there's guys there that are a little older, five or six years into it, and they're playing at a high level. Um, they, it's, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for the NFL to have its, its own minor league and the quality of play I've been impressed with. How about you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed with it. I think, um, I wish it was around when I came through the shoot because I think it'll give yeah. you, it, it give athletes that might not got drafted, you know, might have been right there on the cusp, good enough to, to play in the NFL, but just didn't have the career at the colleges. It gives you another opportunity to put, some uh, some 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 good film together, and and to keep your your you know keep your hope alive as far as going to the NFL. So, uh, you know, they sent us to NFL Europe. It would have been nice to be able to play in the states and play in front of you know you get to play in front of your fans, you get to play in front of your your your, your family, you know. So yep. I like it. I think it's a, an asset. I think it helps a lot of these youngsters uh, continue on in their career. And, uh, you know, I just hope that it gets better and better every year. And I hope they can sustain because we see this all yeah. the time where they start these leagues. It's really good for football. And then before you know it, they're disfunct, you know. So, yeah. And I would also like to see Nebraska maybe get a team. Huh? Yeah, there you go. I like that. You I know, mean, it's, it's an opportunity. You know, the NFL, there's only so many roster spots. And I played with a lot of guys that were free agents uh, that maybe were drafted in the sixth, seventh, you know, later rounds um, because of the size of the roster didn't get that opportunity and then went on to play arena league or over in Europe. Um, you know, so again, uh, it, it's like I said, it's a very tight window and, and not all the time, you know, there's room for you, even though you're good enough, there might be, you know, another opportunity somewhere else. And so the USFL provides that. And again, I think the pro uh, personnel guys uh, look at it as another opportunity to, to grab somebody that uh, maybe uh, went off the radar for a little bit and is, is put himself in a position to have another opportunity. You play eight seasons in the NFL, 105 games, 96 starts. Talk a little bit about your time in the NFL. Well, early on, I had a lot of success. I started right away as, as a rookie, uh, was on a very good team. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, drafted me in the third round, 91st overall. And, um, you know, my, my rookie year, we went all the way to the Super Bowl. And I started Get on the Super bus. Bowl 30. We lost to the Cowboys. Um, and so what was interesting was, you know, think about my, my junior and senior year in college, I played in two national championships. And then my next year in the pros, here I was in the Super Bowl. And then the year after that, we, we made it to um, the divisional round. And then the year after that, we went back to the AFC Championship. And then after that, nothing the rest of my career. So, Dang. you know, the, the, the window of opportunity to have success in the NFL, there's a fine line there. And I was a part of a, a very good football team that was on, on the verge of making it. The year before I got there, they lost, if you remember, to San Diego in the AFC Championship game. We had Neil O'Donnell come back, and we were primed. Uh, they plugged me in uh, for a guy that left. Duval Love went to the Arizona Cardinals, and I competed with Todd Kalis, ironically, the guy that I was talking about at Arizona State, and was able to hold my position there and never look back. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I took away from, you know, from my experience at Nebraska uh, is uncomparable. And so you would always compare and contrast. Um, there was never that same culture. There was never that uh, that bond uh, with all of our teammates in the NFL. The NFL is, is very much a business, 
And so learning how to balance that on a daily and yearly, you know, process was uh, a bit of a challenge my first couple of years. And then the wear and tear, um, you know, in Pittsburgh, <clears throat> Bill Cower, he really thought it was important that we put the pads on at least twice a week. And it was maybe for a nine on seven drill, which is, you know, pretty physical, um, maybe 10 to 12 plays. Uh, but having the opportunity to keep that fresh in your mind and keep sharp with the physicality part of it. But in the NFL, it's more about the mental part. And mm -hmm. when you take the pads off and you learn how to practice, because there's two ways of practicing, right? I mean, you, you take care of each other, but you're practicing at a high level. And with no pads on, it's interesting because you're able to concentrate on the game plan and the play, right? And at the mm -hmm. same time, it's interesting because your technique is much more sound. You're not – that physical part isn't there, you know. And so sometimes when the physical part is there, you lose a little bit of that uh, that technique. Um, and so it's interesting how that all plays in. Now, in Nebraska, we just beat each other up all the time. <laughs> you know, it was a grind. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how, how my body would hold up. And going into my ninth year, um, I was starting for the New England Patriots, believe it or not. I was blocking for Tom Brady. Um, it was the second-to-last preseason game. Uh and I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning. My wife was heading back to California to be with our kids. And I just, I looked at her and I said, I'm done. So, you really? know, the whole process, uh, the mental part of it, the physical part of it takes a toll. And some guys get lucky. Some guys don't have injuries. I had my share of injuries, uh, not only in Nebraska, but in the NFL. And I think combined with, um, you know, having a family and being separated from that, just that normalcy of, of, of life um, was, uh, was weighing on me. And so in the end, you know, I was very content. Uh, it's, it's a process you go through when you retire, just like anything else, uh, any regular job, you do it for a long time. And up to that point, it had been 25 straight years of football for me, all the way back to third grade. So it was time, uh, but there was definitely, uh, you know, I had a great experience uh, for me. I wouldn't take it back for anything. Um, you know, getting the ability to play in the Super Bowl. I played in seven playoff games. Um, it was pretty spectacular. John asked, what's harder, trying to win a starting spot in the NFL or holding on to a starting spot? Mm, that's a great question. You know, Hold really on, how listen. I got my starting position uh, was uh -huh. uh, a guy got hurt. And so my guy that was in my position moved over to that left tackle position and they plugged me in. And I played at such a high level uh, that, uh, you know, we were winning. Um, they didn't go back. So the left tackle, he comes back from his knee. The left tackle, who was the right guard, lost the starting position, which I don't agree with, you know, just outside looking in. I always think that you should never lose your position to an injury. Um, but certain situations uh, are different. Um, and so there was always, you know, for, in my particular situation, you know, I came from a system that gave me the ability to transfer my mentality, my aggressiveness in the running game, and then learn how to pass protect. I, I, I'm just telling you, so my years at Nebraska, Coach Young was in charge of uh, pass protection, right, and, and, and technique and all that. And the most, and I love Coach Young, he's great. The most I learned from him was punch, just punch, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so my first mini camp in the NFL, you know, I'm, I'm being very honest about this, um, I learned more about technique 
and the overall concept of how the passing game related to me, the running back, the quarterback, routes, all of that um, was different. I mean, we just we never threw the ball, and we did. We got away from, uh, you know, Tommy got hurt, and we started throwing a lot, uh, throwing the ball a little bit more uh, with Brooke. So it really gave us the opportunity, Zach, myself, and Rob, and even Aaron, and some other guys coming up uh, to showcase our athleticism. And you know, it was just a matter of a learning curve. Now, on the tail end of that, the wolf is always at the door in the NFL. There's always going to be a draft, I and you're always watching that draft. Um, I remember it was my third year in. They drafted Alan Fanica at the guard spot. And I'm like, okay, and he was a first round pick. The guy's in the Hall of Fame, right? took him about three or four years to really play at that high level. And I always tell people it's about a five-year. If you can make it five years, you should play. You should be playing your best football in the NFL. So, but the Wolf always being at the door, there's always that, okay, somebody's trying to take my position, not necessarily looking over your shoulder, but knowing at any given point, you know, if your play drops, you know, that guy is going to get, be given an opportunity. So there was, there's both pressures. Dang, Brandon Stein. We'll be we'll be right back. But listen, I'm gonna make sure that we mark that the wolf is always at the door. More Wingstop right. live with Brandon Stein. Be right back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.